0: Welcome to the Founding Fearless podcast. We're your hosts, Ingrid and Cameron, and we're here to support you through your journey in becoming a fearless
1: leader and discovering your inner confidence. We are talking all things entrepreneurial through a college woman's lens. We hope to leave you feeling empowered after each episode. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Founding Fearless podcast. On this episode, we are interviewing Jen Schultz, founder of the non-9-to-5. For over eight years, Jen has been educating and coaching high-level women who are willing to do whatever it takes so they can successfully quit their job, stand on their own two feet, and pursue their non-9-to-5 purpose faster. Jen is
0: a highly intuitive educator and coach as well as a national speaker on a mission to empower as many women as she can to stop feeling stuck in the 9 to 5 grind and strongly step into their purposeful, successful, and self-employed work. Without much further ado, let's welcome Jen Schultz to the Founding Fearless podcast.
1: We are so excited because today we have Jen Schultz, the founder of the Non-9 to 5, here with us. Jen, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for the conversation today.
0: Yes, of course. So before we get started, we would love if you could share with us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about your entrepreneurial story.
2: Sure. So uh, I'm originally from New York City, and I've been uh, in Austin, Texas now for almost, oh my gosh, seven years now. And in terms of my entrepreneurial story, so this brings us back to around 2010. And at that time, I was uh, a teacher in a high-performing charter school in the South Bronx of New York City, and I was going through a really rough time. I was experiencing um, really severe negative self-talk. I was going through depression. I was ridden with anxiety. I uh, was exhausted. I, I stopped sleeping and it was a, it was a heavy time. And even though this was all happening, and if you've ever experienced depression or anxiety, when you are experiencing that, nothing seems clear to you, nothing seems to make sense. But even with that, I was getting a a tiny little nudge that was telling me I should go out on my own and continue teaching, but do it in my own way. Because I was also realizing during that time that I wasn't on board with the way things were run. Now, I was an employee of a school, so I only had so much say in how the school was run. I only had so much say in when we took meetings and why we were taking meetings and the way things were kind of going. And I was realizing inside of myself that because I wasn't on board, there was such a misalignment It just was not matched up for me. And to make a long story short or shorter, I should say, I walked in the school on a Monday morning. It was December of 2010. I sat down with the principal of the school and I gave her my two weeks notice. When I gave her those two weeks notice, I was leaving that school obviously in two weeks without any other job to go to. So the day that I left that school, I had no more paycheck. I had no more health benefits. I had no, we had some sort of, not a 401k, but something like that for the type of, cause it was a charter school, uh, all of that stopped. And uh, when I left also, I think it's important to say this, I wasn't excited. I wasn't jumping for joy. I wasn't like, yay, I can't wait. I was still really depressed, but I knew inside of myself, like way deep down that this was the best thing for me to do. Within three months of leaving, the depression was gone. The anxiety was gone. I was sleeping. I felt back to my old self again. And perhaps I should even say, like, I was stepping into a newer version of myself because also within those three months, I had started my first business called teacher on the go. And I was teaching kids one-on-one in the way that I wanted to, I was able to have candid conversations with parents. I didn't have anyone telling me how I had to do things, what I could and couldn't say. I had complete autonomy. And then from there, after doing that successfully for some time is when I shifted into creating the non nine to five, because I recognize, I realized, and I was fully aware that there were other women just like me out there that were struggling in jobs, but knowing they were meant for more. Now, let me say, obviously there is nothing wrong with having a job at all. But when I talk about um, wanting more, this is about those of us who know they're meant to do something on their own, who know that they're meant to create on their own, who know that they're meant to serve, to support others and create an impact on their own terms, not as an employee of a company doing it the way the company wants it done.
1: Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, that your story really resonates with me. And I know that it will a lot of other people too. So I want to transition a little bit into like what you're doing now, um, and tell us about the non nine to five and how you started that and how that's going now.
2: Yeah. Thank you. So I started the non nine to five in September of 2013 and, um, with what I was just sharing, having that awareness that there were others out there like me, I felt that it was sort of like my, my duty, my next step to help others. So they didn't have to experience some of the really hard things that I experienced along the way. And so what we do at the nine to five is we work with women and we do welcome men as well, but predominantly we work with women, um, who know that, They're meant to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, to be successfully self-employed. To me, it's all sort of the same thing, whatever language you want to use, but they know that that's the path for them. However, getting onto that path, knowing what to do when on that path is where there are these big question marks and is where there's fear and is where there is doubt and is where there is second guessing and questioning. And could I actually ever really do this? And I feel really overwhelmed and I don't know where to start from. And should I really maybe have a full-time job because that's the safer way to go? So at the 9, nine to five, I take a dual approach. So in this dual approach, one part is the inner work. And the other part, the second approach part of this is the outer work the inner work uh, is the work that we do to literally, literally rewire neural pathways in your brain, which is possible because we know in neuroscience that that's possible. We literally go in and rewire. And it's pretty simple to rewire. However, it takes consistent effort. It takes commitment. To doing things completely different than how you've been doing them up until this point. So, we, we are actually going in and rewiring. I'm afraid. We're, we are rewiring. I doubt myself. We are re, rewiring. I compare myself to others. I have, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, imposter syndrome. We're rewiring tracks that have been laid down in the brain that do not serve and support, that do not actually help you. So we're working on all of those inner parts. We're also working on when it comes to the inner connection to your intuition, connection to what you feel deeply inside of yourself, to what your heart is telling you, to even what uh, your higher power is telling you if you believe in a higher power. So there's a little bit of a spiritual component within that inner work as well. Then we're taking that and we're marrying that with the outer. So the outer is basically another way of saying the practical, the tangible, the actionable steps, the action plans, anywhere from actually taking the steps to get clear on what your non-9 to 5 purpose is. In other words, what is the business you're meant to create? We have steps that you take to get clear on that if you're not clear then that's about how do I package these services? How do I package this product? How do I communicate it to other people? How do I invite people to work with me? Invite people to invest in my product or, again, my service. How to have a sales conversation. How to create relationships. How to network with people intentionally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I love that. And I love how with your story, you yourself have gone through this experience and now you've taken the role to be that mentor, be that coach for other people. So kind of going off of that, um, how did you know that you yourself, you were ready to become that coach and that mentor?
2: It's a great question. And before I answer that, I want to say, I appreciate the connection that you're making because everything that I teach and even how I coach, all all comes from my personal experience. So mm-hmm. I have been in the trenches, and I'm sharing from all of that. Um, so the question was, how did I know I was ready? Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Well, that's a great <laughs> question because there isn't a real like I knew. I knew at this point to really be honest with you and in full transparency. Right before I started this business, uh, well, let's say about, gosh, well, okay, almost a year, almost a year before I officially started this business, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: as life would have it, I fell into another depression and I was not expecting this. And in retrospect, I can, I can completely see why this happened. I was spinning my wheels in trying to start this business. I did not have my own mentor. I didn't have my own coach in place. And leading up to that time, it was a really interesting space I was in. I was sort of, I sort of had one foot in uh, my business teacher on the go and one foot in trying to start this business again with no help. So I was like, if you've ever heard that saying, I was trying to throw wet spaghetti at the wall and to see <laughs> what stuck and then to try and, and go with that. And I would say a couple of months before I started this business, um, I'm trying to see the, the best way I could put this to make it as succinctly as possible. It was this, it was the, sort of this, almost the same exact experience as I had had when I experienced the depression as a teacher, I was back in negative self-talk. I was back berating myself. I was like, what am I doing? I can't figure this out. I don't know how to do this. There's something wrong with me. I am such a loser. And that was the word I would call myself. I'm such a loser. At that point in my life, I was in my early thirties. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm in my early thirties. Like I have nothing to show. I quit my job. I started this business. I'm trying to start this business. I can't cut it. But I say that it was very similar to that time before when I was a teacher is because in spite of all of that, there was this little voice saying you are meant to do this. And You are meant to do this. You are poised to do this because of what you're experiencing right now, because you will be able to serve and support people who are experiencing these tough times because you will have gone through it and you are the one to do this because of this. And that was the call I was getting. It was very hard to answer that call because of how low I felt about myself. And during that period, I had a huge epiphany realization that I had to make decisions based out of love, not based out of fear. And so this is something that I've been teaching my clients. And actually, we went deep into this just recently at a full day community-wide training that we did where I shared about the difference between making loved-based decisions and fear-based decisions. And that became so clear for me at that time before I started this business. And then I found as, you know, and I wouldn't call it luck, as the universe would have it come, you know, very divine orchestrating this. The universe put my mentor in my path I I then invested in support. I then started taking those steps forward. And I transitioned into the woman that I have become over
0: those past nine years and in doing this work. I, I love that so much. I think that something that I really took from what you just said is that, you know, and something that's very relatable to everyone is that we go through a lot of this self-negative doubt talk um but then we still have that like little inner passion inside of us and so like i feel this sometimes almost all the time where i feel like oh my gosh like the easy thing to do is just to to leave the problem like i'm just not going to do it because i'm scared and i think that at the same time like i'm very aware that okay i have myself doubt talking i shouldn't be doing that to myself But I think it's so important to have someone else tell you that because it reminds you to actually do it other than I can tell myself all I want. I'm like, how do I get out of this? But if it's someone else that tells me or someone else that I hear their story, I feel like it empowers me a little bit more to do it myself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Because when we hear stories of quote unquote successful people, whatever success means to you and we hear about their stories in, as I'm calling it, the trenches, and we hear about where they were, what they were experiencing, and what they've created as a result, it is a way to go, I can actually do this. There are others out there like me. There are others that have made these shifts. And I will go as so far as to say that I also feel like it gives us permission. It actually gives us permission to say it's okay to do this. Yes, you are meant to do this. Yes, you have full permission to go and follow the call that you have, the the passion you have for your non nine to five purpose.
1: And I, I think a lot of, of of entrepreneurship is is that passion and that feeling, because a lot of times we've like we've talked about it's not like glamorous or beautiful, and there's days that are really horrible and that you want to give up, but that little like fire inside of you is really what keeps you going forward. So we've talked a little bit about some of the negative feelings, but I want to hear about what your, what your favorite thing is about entrepreneurship and what you do day to day.
2: Oh my gosh. I have so many favorite things. I have a huge list for you. (laughs) Favorite things I have. Um, You know, there's some of more of what I will refer to. This is not in a negative way. It's more like surface level stuff. Like I surface level to me is like, I'm able to create my own schedule. I have a morning routine that I do every morning. I don't start really focusing on the work of the day until probably about 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning. I will not take my first phone call before 11.15 a.m. And that is such a joy. It is such a, it's such a privilege to be able to work in this way. Because when I was teaching at the school, in the school system, I was waking up at about 5.30 in the morning. I was out of my apartment by 7.15. I was at the school by 7.45. Now, for me personally, it it doesn't work well. My own circadian rhythm doesn't move in that way. So being able to work like this, I get to honor my body. I get to honor just my entire being. Um, So that's something that is definitely a favorite of mine. What else is a favorite of mine though, is I have, again, the privilege of working with women so closely where I see them go from one end of a spectrum to the complete other end of the spectrum. I see women, you know, I experienced being able to work with a woman who comes to me, who's in a full-time job, who is like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I know that I'm meant for self-employment. I know that I'm meant to support people, to help others, to heal people, to educate them, et cetera. And I go in there and I teach them how to do this. And then in time, they're quitting their full-time job. They're going full-time in their business. They have clients, they have customers, and they're living the way that they actually have wanted to live for so long. It's so much more in alignment with who they are. That is a favorite thing of mine. Another favorite thing of mine is the um, two things I really love. One is we do monthly community-wide Zoom calls. We do them once a month for 60 minutes where it's me and all of the women in the community on Zoom. We get to be with one another. We get to see each other. We get to talk to each other. And I am teaching and leading uh, new content I'm repeating things that are of of importance. The ladies get to receive direct support from me. They get to receive support from one another. And then biannually, so twice a year, we do a full day community-wide training where we come together and there is uh, a really in-depth focus on one specific area. And we actually just did one recently. It was all about uh, having an abundance mindset so you can create financial abundance for yourself. We do, uh, we take part in experiential learning processes. We focus deeply. We train together. We have fun. We laugh. We play music. Uh, we do group work, pair work. I
1: love those. Yeah. I think, I think having that community is so important because a lot of times, like when you are building something on your own, it can feel isolating and like that you're the only one. And oftentimes, like when you're building the company, you don't have a team of 10 people or anyone else that's helping you. So I think just like seeking out a community of people that are kind of on the same path as you or interested in the same things as you, or even if it's just like a workout class and you meet people there. I think that that is just like such a good thing to have
2: having
1: an aligned community.
2: And I really want to stress the word aligned is vital. It is imperative. It is vital and imperative on the journey of successful self-employment and truly committing to pursuing your non nine to five purpose. I talk about this all the time within the non nine to five community of how vital and imperative this is when you are taking the steps being in action going through the trenches with others who are right there with you and they see you and they hear you and they support you it is it, it's it i don't even know you know what other words i could put with it but i'll just go back to it's vital and imperative
1: i read a quote the other day that was like uh you become who you surround yourself with. And I thought that that was so like, it, it's so true. It really like makes you think about who you are surrounding yourself with. And like, you want to be around people that are better than you or people that are different than you because then you get different perspectives. Yes. Um, and yeah, I just think that that's so important.
0: Yes. Yes, and I think that's so true also, that kind of speaks to what the Kendra Scott Women's Entrepreneur Leadership Institute, KS Welly is at UT you know, all the students there, everyone's in different majors. Like we've mentioned this in other episodes before, um, everyone's in different majors. Everyone is on a different track, but we all come together for that same passion and that same, um, that same thirst to that inner drive for personal development and to also just become a better leader and a better entrepreneur and whatever that means for that individual person. So I had no idea.
2: I'm sure I probably should have, but I had no idea that the women involved in KS Welly come from all different majors. I love hearing that because it makes me think back to, so I did my undergraduate degree. I majored in communication and I minored in theater And then I went to graduate school, which was not part of the plan, by the way, to go to graduate school. And then I went to graduate school a number of years later for my master's degree in special and general education. And here I am an entrepreneur. And those are all different things I did. And here I am, have created my own business, which, you know, definitely can connect to what I did in school, but I've started my own business, which I wasn't taught in school how to start my own business. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. And I think that's what also makes it like really interesting, like specifically with KS Welly, is that everyone is on that different path. Everyone has a different idea of what entrepreneurship looks to them. And I think that makes it also so much more unique and so much more fun to see what other people are doing as well. And then you, even though you're doing something different, you get inspired from them. Yes. So this is kind of philosophical, means a little bit different to everyone. Um, But what does entrepreneurship mean to you?
2: Hmm. Well, what entrepreneurship means to me is creating something that matters to you, that really connects to your heart and your soul, that allows you to help others, and in doing so, you um, are able to make an income in doing that work. So it is a win-win for everyone. You serve and support the people that are investing in your product or service, and you provide a high level of support. I have a firm belief in that. And, well, actually I wanna add something. You you provide a high level of support and you are willing to be fully transparent and open and honest in the way that you are meant to as an entrepreneur. Um, And again, and then those people who are investing in your product or service, they are reaping those benefits. So it is a win-win for everyone. And the word innovative just came to mind. You're innovating as an entrepreneur, but you also don't, I know that there's a lot of worry around, you know, if I want to, I don't know, just because I'm thinking of the work that I do, if I want to be a coach, well, there's so many other coaches out there. There's just so many. Yes, but there is room for everyone because you bring your own uniqueness to the table. So not everyone is work is meant to work with me. There are people who would meet me and be like, like that doesn't resonate with me. What she's saying doesn't connect, but what comes out of another coach's mouth, they might go, wow, that really resonates for me. So there's also
0: plenty of room. There is enough for everyone. And so I think we kind of touched on this already about like, what are the most important traits um, someone who is interested in entrepreneurship would possess? Um, But I would love if you could go a little deeper into that as well of like what you think are some key essential um, traits and personalities or things like that a person can adapt to and change.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I
2: am of the mindset that it can be learned. Mm -hmm. Meaning, so I shared a little, a little bit ago about all of my negative self-talk. Now, I think it's safe to say that if someone's gonna take the risk of starting their own business and really put their neck out there, so to speak, you probably be like, they don't have any negative self-talk, right? They're just taking that step, they're just going for it. And with you know, with myself experiencing that, I've had to learn and I continue to learn because I I have my my business mentor, my coach. I continue to learn how to continue teaching myself to not speak that way to myself, for example. So I believe that it can be learned. However, what I will absolutely share is that I speak to, and I have worked with also, women who say they want to be an entrepreneur, women who say they want successful self-employment, women who say They want to own a business, but when it really comes down to it, they're not willing to take the actions they're not willing to rewire those neural pathways. They're not willing to do things radically different than they have before. Now, no judgment against that. There's no right or wrong here. You as a human being get to choose. You get to make the choice, which is the beauty of being a human being. You have full privilege of agency to make that choice. And you got to get real with yourself. If you're not willing, then chances are it's not the path that you're meant to take. If you're not willing to take radical action. So for me, for example, a real radical action that I took, and I'm so glad that I took it was making a financial investment into support. I had never made investment like that. I didn't have that money in my bank account, but I was so willing and I felt a connection to the person I was about to make that investment with because she brought me through a sort of a process like the process that that I present if someone's interested in working. And I took that radical action because I, I had that, that little knowing that we've been talking about, that little knowing inside, if I don't take this real radical action, I'm going to get more of the same. And this is not the life I was meant to live. So the willingness and the, and the knowing that this is something that you want. Um, and, and yes, there's going to be really hard times but again if you have support in place if you have community those hard times are not going to be as hard as if you would have been doing them in complete isolation and on your own alone.
0: I love that. And I think I think that's so important also the fact that you know it it, take, it takes courage to realize that yes you need to change and that you can do it but you need to work on it. And that change could look radically different. Um But just realizing that I think takes a lot of courage and also I think is a good step in the progress of being more self-disciplined and getting the results you want. I don't know if that all goes logically together, but that's kind of what I think about in my head. No,
2: actually, you're really super spot on because, and I don't tend to use the word discipline, although it's interesting that you just shared that word because I just attended an event literally a couple of days ago, where the theme was discipline. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be willing to commit to, quote unquote, disciplining yourself. So you take those actions and get those results. Results that we want don't happen from happenstance. They don't happen because of luck. They don't happen because of that. They happen because of the
1: actions that we're willing to take. That's how results are achieved oh, it, it's so true like we have to if if we're gonna want to change, we have to show up for ourselves and if we're gonna change, we have to make promises to ourselves and actually keep them. I think that that's one really important thing is that like if you want to start building a habit, the only way that it's actually going to work is if you prove to yourself that you can actually achieve that or that you can stick with it. Um, So I think, I think a lot of it is so internal, just convincing your own self that you can achieve something.
0: I think that translates like really well. Like, I don't know, maybe since like I'm a student and I'm always thinking about like school and like, when's my next exam and how am I going to do better? But I think from that perspective, we could also see it as like, okay, maybe you did bad on a first exam and you want a better grade. What do you have to do to get that better grade? Well, you're going to work on your flashcards every day. You're going to spend 20 minutes after your lecture reviewing your notes. And the same thing can also be said about athletes, right? They want to make a certain performance. They want to win the game or whatever it is. And that takes steps to get there. That takes, you know, going to practice every day and maybe doing things that aren't really your favorite thing, but you show up because you know what you want to see at the end.
2: Mm hmm And I would say that athleticism as an example is a perfect example for this, because if you are playing a sport and you want to win the game or do better than you have been doing, it takes discipline action. And I know sometimes when people hear words like discipline and action, it's like, ah, I don't want to do this. It doesn't have to feel it doesn't have to feel excruciating. It really doesn't. It could actually be fun. It could feel fun to start creating a new habit and then see the results. Because when you start to see the results, you start to be able to put the pieces together and your mind starts to put the pieces together of like, oh, I've been taking this action consistently and, oh, I'm starting to see the results. This is kind of cool. Maybe even like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then there's more of that motivation to go out and, and do more and to rewire
0: more, if you will.
2: Yeah. It's actually
0: really funny that you say that because um, I was talking to my friend maybe a couple of weeks ago, and there's something that I I like I need to be more consistent with. And I'm like, I was telling my friend, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do it. She's like, Ingrid, you just need to romanticize it. Just, just envision yourself at the end and romanticize it. I'm like, okay, that's a good perspective.
1: (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like imposter syndrome and just that negative self-talk, which I don't want to keep honing in on, but I do feel like it's super important, especially like as a college student. Um, I know that I've experienced it and Ingrid, you shared, uh, you as well. And I imagine pretty much everyone has, if you haven't, maybe, uh, email us and and tell us your your tips. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I just want to hear maybe if you have any tips on like maybe specifically for college students, some like tools or resources or things that can really help like in the moment if let's say I'm sitting down at my computer, I'm super overwhelmed with school and work and then I have this entrepreneurial venture on the side that I really want to pursue but I don't know if I have time and I don't know if I'm supposed to be in these rooms with these people and I I can just hear myself uh, uh, saying it in my head now. So just like if you have any advice or tools that you think are, are, are helpful in, in those times.
2: Yeah. So when I, so first and foremost, when I think of that term imposter syndrome, what always comes to my mind is comparison because it's basically like imposter syndrome is basically like, I'm not good enough to do blank, whatever that blank is. I'm not good enough. And when we tell ourselves we're not good enough, chances are we're comparing ourselves to others that we're either seeing doing it, or we think they're doing it, um, or who are doing it. So the, the key, I would say, and this has definitely taken me years to really hone in, but the key is going back to something that I keep sharing is to listen to that little quiet voice inside of you that is a, is a loving sound of voice. It is a, is a quiet voice. It speaks kindly to you. Is that voice still coming in and saying, yes, you're meant to do this. Yes, you can do this. I know it feels really hard, but you can do it yes, I know that this feels wacky right now and you're trying your best and it doesn't seem like it's working out, but you're still meant to be doing this. And you've got to really tune into that voice, which can be difficult to do, especially if you've never done it before or if you've done it inconsistently. But ways to tune into that voice um, are ways that we are no strangers to. Meditation is a way to tune into that voice. And meditation doesn't need to be you're downloading the Calm app or Insight Timer. You can, it can be even simpler though. It's just sitting down, closing your eyes for a minute, two, if you have it, three, if you have it, maybe five. If you were to close your eyes for one minute, just one minute every day, and just focus on your breathing for one minute every day. What's going to happen is you're going to strengthen the muscle of being able to sit still, of being able to focus on your breath, of being able to be calm. And when you are calm and quiet and your eyes are closed, that is when that voice can come through and it will tell you to stay on track. Now, if like, you know, as you ladies are talking about being in college, if you're starting that now at the college age level and you start doing that now, when you get to be my age, you will have been able to create and experience so much more. You will, and not even just the creation, just who you are, you will feel so much more confident. You will show up so much more confident. You'll be able to be more resilient you will be able to persevere in a way perhaps you thought you'd never be able to. Because I experience those feelings and energies now. And I would say at the the place I'm at right now in my life and in my work, I'm experiencing that now more so than ever before. However, you know, if we were to like rewind all the way back to years before, had I been doing these things consistently since then, I probably would have been experiencing this even since, you know, way before
1: also. That's definitely something that I've been working on. I, I noticed myself uh, like over the years, like there'll be a certain time where I'll really want to remember a moment. And one of the best things that I can do is just like sit in that moment and breathe. And I've noticed like anytime I think back to that time, I have like so much more clarity and can remember that so much better. And so I just think that the power of like breathing and meditation and being in the moment and just like, that's a time for you to show up, up for yourself. Like I think so many times we're so busy with work and on social media. Like I noticed that for myself, like just distracting myself on social media in times when I don't have anything else to do and it's like if i could just maybe sit with myself and my own thoughts for an extra 5 minutes it could be so so much more helpful
2: yeah if you're willing to take that minute or 5 minutes when you're like hey i've done everything or i have this extra time rather than you know going to your phone and scrolling through instagram or going to tiktok or whatever And you're actually giving yourself that space to connect in, to ground down, to be with your body, that will
1: repay you tenfold the more you're willing to do that and you do it. Yeah, it really is so true too. And it's like when we are on our phones and not doing like the meditation or the reading or whatever, we're also like in that comparison phase too. So it's like, it's not only are we not doing it, it's actually can not always, but can be Detrimental as well. I totally agree. Literally, what I did at
0: the beginning of the summer, I downloaded an app. It's called like Screen Time or something. So like right before I click to open the Instagram app, it says check this later. Is it important? It actually really helps me and gives me a moment just to be like, you know what? Why am I going on my phone? I'm just going there as like to numb myself. Instead, I should walk outside. You know, get a cup of coffee, grab a sip of water, and do something else. Be present in the moment rather than looking at something I really don't need right now. So moving on, we're kind of talking still about like the college experience and um, different tips for college students. So looking back at your life and experience, what advice would you give yourself in college? I know we just talked about like those tips for um, handling like imposter syndrome and just being more present, but what else would you um, recommend or give yourself? Mm -hmm. As you're saying that
2: I'm visualizing myself in, at the college that I went to, I'm seeing myself on the campus and kind of thinking back to where I was then and who I was. Um, this, you know, people say this time and time and again, and and it can sound a little bit cliche or a little bit corny, but really believing in yourself and your abilities and really believing that you are capable of what it is that you want to create in your life. So um, I think back to when I was in college, I was for about two years, I believe, the vice president of a student organization. And I remember I couldn't believe that I became the vice president. There was so much second guessing and self-doubt of like, me, like I'm the vice president of the student organization. And then I went on to create what we did in the student organization. And it was still this big, like, wow, me, you mean me, you mean Jen Schultz, me. <laughs> so belief in yourself and that, yes, you know, when you are, when you get A grade on an exam that you wanted, and you go, How did I get this grade? Like, I know for me, I'd be like, How did I get this? You mean I got this? I got a 90. I got an A? What is really believing in yourself and knowing that you are putting effort in? And another thing is good enough. So, we mentioned before not feeling enough. But something that I've learned along the years is good enough. So knowing that how you are studying for an exam is good enough. What you got on that exam is good enough. How you're showing up for yourself as a college student is good enough. And being able to be okay with that, uh, especially for those who maybe are maybe would put themselves in the category of being an overachiever or a super high achiever. What if it was, this is good enough and I can be okay with this. It doesn't have to be the best. And this is good for now. And it doesn't matter what it, it it doesn't matter what it means to someone else. It matters what it means to me. So that's my advice.
0: I love that advice. Like I'm like literally absorbing it right now and that I I needed someone to say that. So thank you.
2: (laughs) You're so welcome. You're so welcome.
0: What you are doing (laughs) is enough
1: and it is good enough for you. 100%. Thank you. Thank you. That honestly, I agree with Ingrid because I think sometimes we just get so overwhelmed with the, honestly, it goes back for me to the comparison, like, oh, I, I might be doing this, but then I talked to my friend and she's gotten five internships and done this. And, the, and I'm like, oh, I'm not I haven't done enough. I haven't. uh, Yeah, I haven't done enough is exactly the words that come to mind. So I think that that is really helpful. Um, but I want to transition a little bit still on the college uh, talk. But we talked about just being a college student as we go to college for the education. And that's a really obviously a very big part of it. Um, And I think sometimes it can be hard to want to get involved in something else that might take your mind off of your academics and, and getting good grades and things like what you were just talking about. So what advice would you give to someone that doesn't think that entrepreneurship is like feasible while in college, whether that's time or grades or whatever that has to do with?
2: Well, interesting, because when I was in college, it's so funny thinking back, I didn't even know I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. Um, when I was in college, it was a little bit over 20 years ago. Um, I didn't know what entrepreneurship was, but looking back, I definitely took part in a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors without even realizing it. With that said, I would say um, going back to that small voice, right? If you're getting the nudge, if that little voice is telling you, you're meant to be in business. Um you're first meant to just listen to that. Doesn't mean you have to even like do something yet. Doesn't mean that because The other thing too, is that you are in school. And the way that I personally see it is that school is your focus first and foremost, because that's where your energy and attention is going. And if while you're in school, you're getting that that nudge and it's getting louder and louder and louder and stronger and stronger, great. You're meant to follow that. You're meant to listen to that. and then what you can simply do is look at the resources that you have, what's in front of you, right? So at UT, you have KS Welly, you have Founding Fearless. It's a great way just to start, to listen, to get involved. Um, and let's say also, I'm trying to think of an example that you're like, all right, Jen, like this sounds great, but I really want to start now. I want to start right now. Um, I would ask yourself why you want to start right now, right this second, and maybe you are meant to start right now, right this second, and then ask yourself, what are some baby steps I can take? Even what is one, what might be one doable baby step I can take just something small. And maybe it's like, call this person, research this thing uh, go to this event and try that on and see how it goes. Try that on and see
0: how it feels. I love that because I, there's, I feel like we're really on quotes today, but there's a quote that always comes to my mind. It's like, I think it's like life is not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? right. And and I think that's true. Like if you want to make your, I have a company and have all these entrepreneurial goals or, or or if it's just something like more personal for you yourself, everything can not just happen. Like in a blink of an eye, it takes steps and it takes, it takes a long time, but over time, those little baby steps, like you were just talking about, they add up. And then after a while, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm halfway there, or I'm almost there. And, um, yeah, that that's what just came to my head right after you said that. Yeah.
2: Well, that's beautiful because that was something that was taught to me years ago was that this is a marathon, not a sprint. So when I, when I work with women, the women that come to me, I am teaching them that as well, because I think it's very, um, it's difficult not to get caught up in this sort of like, you know, fast food, fast, just fast world <laughs> we live in because we have social media at our fingertips. We have the highlight reels at our fingertips. We have what people are sharing. But what we're seeing and what's being shared with us doesn't mean that that's the whole picture. And the way that I look at this also is that this is a journey. If you are really committed to entrepreneurship, you must be committed to the journey. You must be committed to going through all of those ups and downs And you won't know what the ups and downs are going to be until they come to you. But if you're like, this has to happen overnight, you will be setting yourself up for failure. It does not exist. Anything that you have seen that looks like a quote unquote overnight success, 99.9% of the time, it is not. I'm sure there's like a 0.1%, you know, somewhere or 1%. Um, But this is a, this is a journey. And when I think back to one of my clients who is located in Austin, uh, she's not the only one, but this particular client that's located in Austin, we worked together for approximately four years over that four year span is where she was able to get herself to the place where she left her job she went full-time in her business. She brought on a team, but all of this happened over four years. This wasn't six months. This wasn't one month. This wasn't a year. It was four years and she's out there on her journey now expanding and growing more. And so, yes, this is about it being a marathon, not
1: a sprint. Okay, so now thank you for sharing all of your amazing wisdom about entrepreneurship and just your journey and the non-9 to 5. But now we want to start a new segment called the Rapid Fire Question Segment. So we're just going to ask you a couple questions and I don't want you to think about your answer too much, just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Um, And we will get to know a little bit more about Jen. So first question is, uh, what is something... Uh, that no one would expect about you.
2: I'm really, really, really silly. Before we came on to the podcast, I was making fart noises at my dog. True story. Wow, love that. <laughs> and I w- that is so funny. <laughs> and I was laughing right before it came on, and I was talking to myself, going,
0: "Wow, what is wrong with me?" <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, okay. that's funny. Next question. So earlier you mentioned that you had a morning routine. so I'm wondering if you could share with us what your routine consists of. Yes, so I wake up in the morning somewhere between 7:45 and 8 o'clock,
2: once in a while a little bit earlier. I get up, I take my dog for a walk, we come back to the apartment, I feed her, I take all of my morning supplements. I do the dishes, um, because I have gotten to a place where if I don't feel like doing the dishes at night, I don't do them. And they're there for me in the morning. So I do the dishes. I, uh, then after I've done that, I will do writing where I write to my higher power. Uh, I might do a little bit of quick reading. I stretch, I meditate. And then I start the day and sometimes I shower after that, or sometimes I start working and I don't shower until the afternoon.
1: Ingrid and I love hearing about other people's morning routines. So I'm definitely going to implement some of that into mine. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite movie? Anchorman. Okay. What is your favorite place in Austin? My favorite place, uh, Town Lake. Love. All right. Like Ingrid said, this is the episode of quotes. What is your favorite quote?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. I actually can see it. There's so many, but I'm going to read the one that's actually on my wall. Cause this has been my favorite quote since circa 2005. So it is the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience, to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. Eleanor
1: Roosevelt. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love, I feel like it's so important to have that, like in your line of sight while you're working, I do the same thing. I have my favorite quote, like right above my computer. So if I'm like having a hard time, I just look up and I can remember. <laughs> yes. Okay. Next one. Um, who is an
0: entrepreneur that you look up to? My business mentor,
2: Heather. Um, she, I've been working with her. I've been a client of hers for almost nine years and I look up to her like nobody's business. I've watched her create a successful business. She has taught me so much and, um, I am, I feel honored to know her and to receive from her wisdom.
1: All right. Next question. One mistake that you're glad that you made.
2: Oh my gosh, a mistake that I'm glad that I made. Okay. Uh, I worked with, I, I hired on at different times, um, some folks to be my assistant and they were complete mismatches. Uh, it was just all mismatch in so many ways. And then I found my current assistant. I'm clear that I found her at the time I did, cause I had to go through those people. And it was definitely a, quote unquote mistake in working with them. And she is amazing. She's really awesome.
0: I love that story. Okay. So now to our final question and the question that we always ask all of our guests. Um, what does founding fearless mean to you?
2: I love that. Well first of all, I love the the title, the words founding fearless. When I think of that, I think of um starting something right? Being the founder of something, whatever that is. Um, And doing it, you know, I want to say doing it fearless, but let's face it, we all have some fear. But I would say doing it in spite of fear, acting in spite of fear, following it, moving, getting to it without, excuse me, uh, in spite of fear. And actually, just as an aside here, over my bed, I, I had to look because I forgot for a second. <laughs> Over my bed, I have uh, something
1: framed that says, be fearless. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love yeah. that too. Well, Jen, thank you so, so much for coming on today. We. I I love this conversation um, and I know that it's going to be so valuable for everyone listening. Um, I also, we know that you have a special gift and offer to provide. So if you want to share a little bit about that and then where people can find you and reach out.
2: Yes. Thank you. So what I'd like to do is offer up a one hour complimentary call with me and uh, what this call is about. It's called a clarity call. So what is about it? This is a call that you'd like to have for me. Again, one hour complimentary from me to you. We will get on the line together privately. I will hear about what's not working so well, what you're struggling with. I will hear about what your vision really is. What is it that you really want? What is it that you really want to experience? What is it that you really see? You know, that little voice inside of you is saying, this is what you're meant for. This is the way to go. And then on that call, We'll see if the work I do makes sense for you, you know, and see if we might be a match to work together. Uh, all you need to do, if that's something you would like to accept from me, is send me an email. And my email is jen, J-E-N, at thenon9to5.com. It's long, dot com, And be sure to put in the subject founding fearless. So I know that you came from here um, and I know that this is where you heard this. And so I can go, great. I know where you came from. Um, and yes, send me that email. And in the email, I should probably be specific to let me know why you want to connect. What has you wanting to come together on this call with me? Um, and I will open up a number of slots for founding fearless members so we can connect directly.
0: Thank you so much. I thank you for, you know, dedicating your time. I know you have you're so busy with your schedule and to set aside time for um, the founding fearless members and just anyone involved in our valley community, that really truly means a lot. And I know that they are going to be inspired as well, because I am leaving so inspired and empowered to fulfill like my dreams and just to keep on going and be persistent, consistent, all of it. <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: And real quick, we will also leave everything in the show notes. So if you wanted to look up Jen and connect with her on LinkedIn and Instagram and everything. We will leave that below. So Jen, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you
2: so, so much for having me. It was such a pleasure and I so enjoyed the conversation.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to subscribe and follow the Founding Fearless podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave us a review.